Please be advised that the content in the Grave Tales podcast series is suitable for adults only. You're with Chris Adams and Helen Goltz for the Grave Tales, the series podcast. Today, from the Grave Tales Queensland's Great Southwest book, Once Upon a Wonder Horse. Three men went into a pub. It's not the start of a good Irish joke, but it was the start of a syndicate that would turn racing on its head. This is the story of three bushies and a publican who bought a bargain basement priced horse that turned out to be a champion. And you may know that horse as Gunsind, one of the greatest champions we've ever seen on our racetracks. And you talk about three men walking into a pub. Now, they might not have all walked in together, but they were there for the same reason. Actually, the main man in this syndicate was a bloke called Winks, that's his nickname, McMicking, a grazier from just outside of Gundawindi. Times were pretty tough in the bush in 1969, and he had an idea that might put some money into the accounts. He had his eye on a grey colt that was about to be auctioned in Brisbane. He'd actually dropped into the pub to see if there was anyone else interested in his idea of trying to buy this colt. He ran into two townies, Bill Bishop, who was a local news agent, and Jim Curry, uh, the town draper. And also listening in from across the bar was the publican George Pippos. Over a beer, uh, Winks McMicking explained what he had in mind. He told the others that he tried to buy the sister of the grey colt the year before and she'd won at her first start. And straight away they were all in. Uh, they chipped in $1,000 each and they were off to the 1969 yearling sales in Brisbane to see if they could buy themselves a bargain. What a fortuitous glass of beer that afternoon. I mean, imagine if the draper hadn't been there, but instead the doctor had or whatever. I wonder if they've often thought, gee, that was the best time I've ever spent in a pub. Jermaine Nicholson McMicking, as his real name was, Winks, I had that exact thing in mind when he went in. He was looking for some partners to go into this deal. And when they went to Brisbane, they had a real stroke of luck. What they came home with at the outrageous bargain basement price of $1,300 was ownership of that grey colt that Winks had had in mind. $1,300. I wonder what the average price of a good champion was in those days. It was considerably more than that, you can be sure. Well, they each chipped in a grand, didn't they? So they were expecting to pay up to 3000 Well, I think they thought they might not even get it for that. Yeah. So how come they got it for that price? Well, it seems that while the horse had promising but not outstanding breeding, one point that apparently stopped many potential buyers from getting into the bidding, he also hurt his knee on the side of the float on the way to the sales. That put more buyers off and the Gundawindi boys were able to pick him up at a fraction of what a lot of people thought he might bring. It was just still kind of a brave purchase, really. Poor old Gunsin had hurt his knee. He might not have been worth the $1,300 either. No. Winks was working on the form of his sister. She'd wanted to buy the year before who had won at her first start. So, yeah, I mean, like anything to do with racing horses, it was, it was a gamble. So how'd they come up with the name Gunsin? It's kind of unusual. Bill Bishop, who was one of the syndicate members, when the paperwork came through, he said that Winks didn't want his name mentioned. Winks is a bit of a shy character as this story goes on. So he said, put it in the name of the Gundawindi Syndicate. And as soon as he said that, it just struck him. He said, there's the name. We'll abbreviate that and call him Gunsind. And that was the name that would be etched forever in horse racing history in Australia. So they've got the horse. Next step, I guess, is a trainer. Yeah, to get him ready for the track. The syndicate gave the colt to a trainer called Bill Wellow, former station manager in the Gundawindi area who was trying to break into horse training in Brisbane. Under Bill's guidance, the colt, which would become the crowd favourite wherever he ran, won 12 out of 22 starts, but perhaps uh, tellingly, only one major in 1969, the Hopeful Stakes, and one in 1970, the Chelmsford Stakes. 
A punter soon dubbed him the Gundawindi Grey, a name that struck with him all his racing days. Mm -hmm. But the experts agree it wasn't until he transferred to track legend Tommy Smith in Randwick in Sydney that the mighty Grey rose to be one of our great turf champions. I remember the Gundawindi Grey. They had a song about it too. Written by and recorded by Tex Morton. Um, We cheered him from the grandstand and we've cheered him from the flat. We cheered him... A little beauty, a real aristocrat. <laughs> he's never thrown the towel in. He's been a trier all the way. The horse we're really proud of, the, the Gunda Gunda Windy Windy Grey. Grey. I remember. But before the big celebrations and before we got the song, he had to win a few big races. Which he did with Tommy Smith. It was in his hands that the four-year-old flourished and what an end to 1971 he had. Looking back and writing for The Age in Melbourne, Paul Daffy described it like this. Gunsin's run in the 1971 Sandown Cup was the final run of a long campaign. After transferring to the Smith Stable early in his four-year-old season, he had six races for wins in three premier mile races, the Epsom, the Turek and George Adams Handicaps, a second in the Rosehill Flying and unplaced finishes in the Cox Plate and the Caulfield Cup. So the Sandown Cup was his seventh race in two months. Roy Higgins, the jockey, said that Sandown's spacious track and uphill straight suited the Greys' swooping style. After starting at 7-4 favourite, Gunsind won comfortably. And Higgins always had a spot for him. He said, I've always said that Lightfingers was my favourite horse, but Gunsind was the most fun. And the people loved him though, didn't they? Absolutely. And his 1972 performances wouldn't have let any one of them down. It was a remarkable period for him. He had five wins in succession, including the Futurity Stakes and the Doncaster Handicap, and he backed all that up by winning the Cox Plate, and he had a third in the Melbourne Cup, carrying the punishing weight of 60.5 kilograms. Some racegoers reckon that the roar, as the third-place getter, Gunsind, was posted, was louder than the one for Piping Lane, which won the race, carrying 48 kilos. Gunsind was named the Victoria Racing Club's Horse of the Year for 1972. Good on you, Gunsin. How exciting. Now, tell me, why was he carrying 60 kilos? I mean, that's a person, another person. Well, they were, <laughs> they were handicapped in those days for these sorts of races based on their previous performances. All that, and he was a bit of a ham too, wasn't he? <laughs> he sure was. He kept the crowds entertained wherever he went. Some of the things he did included standing stock still at the gate before going out to race, refusing to move until the applause reached uh, the required crescendo. Mm. Never give in during a race, mostly under very, very heavy weights. He often looked beaten, but when he heard the crowd roaring, he'd raise another effort, fight back, and most of the times win. It's even said that after a particularly good victory, Gunsin would stop in front of the grandstand and bow to the applauding oh, crowd. How beautiful. He's a good-looking horse, too, isn't he? He's just he, a beauty. He certainly was. Yeah. I wonder if he liked racing. I mean, he obviously liked the crowds and he liked the applause, but anyway, that's a more technical question than we can answer here today. Well, we can talk a little bit about it after he retired and the things that he did then, mm. and again, some more of those little traits. After he retired, he had a goodbye tour, I suppose you'd call it, at Randwick Racecourse in Sydney, more than 50,000 people turned out Wow! for his final appearance on Autumn Stakes Day. In Brisbane, where he first started racing, they didn't miss out. Quite the contrary, in fact, he put on an exhibition gallop at Eagle Farm. There was a gun sin day at Doombin. Mm. And finally, the marvellous horse went to the town which had given him his name. He was still big news there. He'd actually, even though he was named after Gundawindi, he'd never actually really been there. That's bizarre. It is. The Women's Weekly magazine, of all things, reported it was the Gundawindi Gray's first real visit to the town, which adopted him and put the, <laughs> and which he put on the map. 
For hours he stood patiently as people flocked to see him, mums, dads, grandmas, teenagers, swarms of excited kids who raced up to pat him. Mm, how wonderful. Yeah. And he also had a special window at the TAB. Yeah, in Gundawindi, the people were so keen on backing him that if they couldn't get to the track, that is to Brisbane or somewhere else, which was hard for people that far away, they could go to the local TAB, which had a window which only took bets on Gunsin. Oh, bless him. <laughs> so memorabilia, that yep. was big too. It was. Just about every track where he raced, there was memorabilia, which included T-shirts and flags and car stickers and posters and postcards. And a lot of it was sold for charity. I wonder where some of that stuff is today. I wonder if any of our listeners have actually had a Gundawindi grey T-shirt stuck in the bottom drawer. It's going back a bit, isn't it? Yeah, well, 70s, yeah, but you know. well, it is. And it was 74 that they unveiled the statue of him in the town, which is yeah. still there, you can go and see. But it'd be good if they kept it. Because like, you know what happens when your T-shirts get a bit older? You usually then clean the car with them <laughs> and whatnot, which is a bit of a bummer when well, it's a collector's no, item. there's no guns in T-shirts going around <laughs> out there cleaning, cleaning the whole them. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a tragedy. He really did have an amazing effect on people just about the very last thing he did after he'd retired, and he retired in 73 and was put out to start, he went to the Scone Race Club. And there was a bloke there who was the vet, a fellow called Bill Howie, who tells the story about the day he was on the gate on duty as a gate attendant. And Gunsin was parading. In other words, all he was doing was going out there and walking up and down the track. And after he'd paraded, a bloke walked through the gate that he was on and said, now I can die happy that I've seen him and I can go home. That's what he said to Bill as he walked through the gate. And Bill said, where's home? He said, far north Queensland. Wow. He'd driven 2,000 kilometres south and was turning around to do the same thing straight back. That was the magnetic attraction, I guess, of Gunsin. Well, he became a bit of a national icon. The song did that too, you know. Yeah. So it created this sort of legendary status about him. And if you could still see him, why wouldn't you? But well, I'm not sure I drove 2,000 k's. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that bloke did. Yeah, and good reckon now he, he could die happy. So after he had his last gallop and his last bow to the crowd, what became of Gunsin? Did he go out and enjoy some green fields? Well, he was sold to stud initially and then he was retired from that later on. The partners in what had been this grand enterprise went their various ways. The man who started it all, the apparently camera shy, cannot mm. find a picture of him, Mr Micking, uh, died in Moree in New South Wales. He was 78 in 1990 and he was taken home to Gundawindi and is buried in the local cemetery there. I should think so. And what about Gunsin himself? He died from cancer oh. um, when he was 16 on April 29th, 1983. Right. He was inducted into the Australian Hall of Fame in 2005 in 2004, Gunsin was one of the first 12 inductees into the Queensland Heritage Icons List. Have you heard of the Icons List? No. Queensland Heritage, ratified by the National Trust of Queensland. And what's it include beside the wonderful Gunsin? It includes Goanna Royal. Of course. Bundaberg Rum. Oh, say no more. The Backyard Mango Tree. Oh, yeah. And finishing sentences with the word hey. Really? Gunsin. What a champion, eh? If you have enjoyed today's episode of Grave Tales, please rate, review and subscribe by pressing the Follow Us button. You've been listening to a story from Grave Tales the series, available in paperback, ebook, and select titles on audiobook, music by Kai Engels. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram or on our website. Check out our YouTube channel as well. Or put together your own group and come along on our Great Ocean Road Tour. <laughs>